It is Locked on Jazz for the 24th of October. The Jazz are 3-0. and It's absolutely incredible. And three plays are emblematic of what's going on with this team. We'll give you those, plus break down the final play and digest where the Jazz sit at 3-0 and to open the season. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and I don't know if it's possible to do this, but hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for tuning in and making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We are also available on YouTube. Please give us a five-star review and follow if you're on YouTube. Please subscribe and hit that bell button so you know anytime that we launch or if we go live with postcast after the game so that you're notified right away. Thank you very much for tuning in. Comment section, boy, what has surprised you the most in the first three games? That's what I want to see in the comment section on YouTube today. What has surprised you the most? I, I want to start by, first of all, I want to start with it's incredible. This has been just incredible to watch. Part of me like doesn't want to dig in and try to figure out the magic. It's a great debate. People are asking everywhere they go. It's the talk of the league. Like, what, how's this happening? What's Utah doing? I'm definitely texting people around the league saying, what do you think? Why? There's been a lot of interesting theories. Um, one is early season energy, you know, hard to maintain for the rest of the year, they kind of say. The other is that the distrib- you have enough veterans and good players, and you're distributing Donovan's possessions, like to four guys. Each guy's getting four of Donovan's possessions, and they're all right. A um, lot of different theories. I, I, I don't know that I have a total answer. It, it is... And I don't know if I want to have a total answer on it right now. It's kind of like the mystery of it is so fun of what's taking place. It is just awesome. Uh, the energy, the effort, the teamwork, the ball movement, the hus- amount of hustle plays, the 50-50 balls are like 80-20 jazz balls right now. Um, all of those things are just awesome. I-, I-, I think there are, you know, Will Hardy said it. Like, we have a team that has heart. Which is, you know... Interestingly, right, a dramatic contrast to what we saw last year, which was a team that was so kind of into their own world of dismay that they had no heart, that they lost their heart. And that group, frankly, never, you know, I don't want to dig in right now on that, but if you kind of go back to the playoff series in the bubble, fighting through toughness was never a strength of that group. So to see this heart and this you know, tenacity and, you know, kind of contrary terms to what I'm used to talking about, right? Because I like analytics and I like to be able to, as a lawyer, like to pick things and break them down and decipher what's taking place. There's a lot of this that's just kind of a mojo and a vibe and an energy. And if you, I talked to Malik Beasley after one game, he says, we're dogs. And we talked to Jared Vanderbilt after a game, and he says, we're dogs. And, and, and they've got that about them. Uh, and there's a lot of really, really interesting things that are going on in that regard. Um, 
Will Hardy has made this comment that just really struck me that he was super concerned when camp started that this team could have a really ugly training camp in the sense that they could fight physically. Like there's so much open playing time available that he was nervous about whether the competition would turn sour. And instead, that competition has somehow bonded the group. It's really interesting. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKDOWN. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. All right. Now I'll get to where I wanted to go to start. That was just kind of a really extended intro, like, stream of conscious. I think there's three plays right now that to me are super representative of a team that's won two overtime games. And I'm sure if I went back to the Minnesota game, I could actually find another. So Mike Conley rushing down the sideline, baseline, to foul Rudy Gobert on late in the game in overtime before Rudy misses the two free throws is pretty awesome. Right? That's giving up yourself for the team. Diving into Rudy, fouling him, going down hard. One of your teammates made a mistake, and that is backing your teammate up in a in a pretty awesome manner. Jordan Clarkson running down Zion Williamson and blocking that dunk last night and not committing a foul. Four plays. I got four plays. I just thought of the other one. Okay? Like, that would have been pretty easy to let go. Like, you're Jordan Clarkson. You're having a big game. And yet, he blocks Zion Williamson, and I actually don't recall if they scored on that play, but we go to overtime. We go to overtime. I think there's something super symbolic that the two most demonstrative hustle plays that have taken place are from Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, the two guys who really were the most impacted, most talked about being traded, most talked about Like, their life changed because of all the trades and everything that's taking place. And here, these two guys are the guys that are making hustle plays, sacrificing of themselves, really team plays. Team, team plays there. That jumps out to me. And I think should not be overlooked. The second one, the third one, is there was a scramble play. Thurl pointed this out to me, so give Thurl credit. There's a scramble play last night in which we throw the ball around and it's kind of a mess. And the ball's about to go in the backcourt and Lowry Markinen runs it down and Clarkson ends up hitting a only Jordan Clarkson can three. I think it's at 114-113 with 315 left in overtime and Olenek ends up assisting Clarkson. I think that's the play. Um... You know, we're down 114-113. They're about to get the ball back on a turnover. We don't get a shot off at three-minute mark. That's not great. So Kelly Olenek, you know, who I think at this point it's clear is our best player. My goodness gracious, is he good? We'll talk about it coming up. Um, And he goes and makes that hustle play. And then the final one's a collective effort. And there was some really good coaching in this, too. But New Orleans goes to inbound 
on the play before the C.J. McCollum game leader. And they can't get it in. If you didn't watch the game, you can watch, listen to Jazz Game Rewind to get how it happened, or you can go uh, listen to the whole Jazz broadcast. It's at Utah Jazz Basketball, or Utah Jazz Radio. So, Marketing drives, gets fouled with 11 seconds left. The Jazz makes both free throws. The Jazz go up one. And they're inbounding with 11.5 seconds left, and the Pelicans have a timeout left at this point. And the Jazz force the Pelicans to use a timeout because they can't get the ball in. C.J. McCollum scores it with 8.4 seconds left. And then Kelly Olynyk makes a play to win it, seemingly win it, with 3.1 seconds left. The Pelicans now no longer have a timeout. Why? Because of hustle. Because some good coaching, too. They did not... They left the inbound, took away Alvarado. They couldn't get the ball into where they wanted to. Everybody else deed up. But that's hustle and effort. And that's how you win close games. Because then with 3.1 seconds left, the Pelicans don't have any timeouts left. And C.J. McCollum prances up the near sideline, but without a lot of room. So heart and hustle. It's a lot of it. They're getting a lot of offensive rebounds. But there's a whole, there's a beautiful style of play. There's really intelligent buy-in taking place. There's fabulous ball movement. Really, really, really good plays drawn up by our head coach. Um, Late in games, which we'll get into in a second. And there's a star out of Finland. And all of those things we'll continue to talk about. But the number one thing to me is these little tiny plays. We've won two overtime games. You're one or two plays short on that. And you lose those games. The margins in this league are so small. It is so hard to win. And even the best teams are, you know, winning by three and four points a game. When you go start to steal points, it matters. When your shot distribution is way better than the other team, it matters. You're stealing half point, full points here and there. And that's that's a large part of what's going on right now with the Utah Jazz. Excuse me. Uh, Monday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Uh, somebody emailed me about a contact at Murdoch Chevy. It was over the weekend. I will get that for you today and get that email out to you. I promise. Uh Murdoch Chevy's located in Woods Cross, also in Logan, located uh, right off the side of the freeway in Woods Cross, and the Chevy lineup of trucks is just awesome. That's the Silverado and the Colorado. The SUV lineup runs from the smaller tracks up to the Suburban and the Tahoe that you know so well, with the Blazer and the Equinox and the Traverse all in the middle, and there's the great Corvette as well. So it's Chevy. It's Americana. It's everything you know. It's free ski passes to Solitude, too. So stop by at Murdoch Chevy at Woods Cross or in Logan. The, our good friends over there, have the Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years and are here to serve you and make sure that everything goes well uh, for you and your experience and you have a no-regrets experience. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, a 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. You pick two to five players 
they will go and score either more or less than you want than you ask them to. In which case, then you can win up to ten times your money on any of the entries. No competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. NBA, NFL, NHL, PGA. College football, college men's basketball, women's, anything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's safe and fast. Withdrawals currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit. Match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will... Give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. It's all at PrizePix, promo code Locked On. Hope everyone is having fun with this. Uh, locked On Pelicans. Jake Madison is an original potter and is one of the best podcasters we have on the entire network. Um, so if you want to go catch a show today, um, feel free to go grab Locked on Pelicans. Um, should be fun to hear what he has to say about last night's game and what, what happened. Um, he does a really good job. Also, Game to Game is up on Locked on NBA, which uh, is also super fun. That's the recap of all, and that's what I'll be doing the minute I'm done here. Um, so grab those. Plus, of course, well, I just we got so many things for you. All right. Um, Let's talk about the final play. Or should we talk about, let's see, my board says Lowry's really good, but I haven't gotten to the final play yet. Um, The number one word that we're hearing out of Will Hardy is versatile, is how how versatile his team is. And I think we saw it on the final play. It's a pretty neat play. So marking an inbounds to a Linux at the top of the key, top of the circle, maybe three-point line. Mike Conley's in the backcourt. Mike Conley takes a straight run, and important that he goes to the left side of Kelly Olenek. Markinen now at about the same time is coming off the inbound to Olenek and coming straight across. And Olenek fakes the first handoff <coughs> to Conley, which C.J. McCollum, who's defending Conley, reads as a potential switch Calls the switch. A Linux guy goes to Conley. McCollum, really well done, actually, gets in behind a Linux. Hard to do. A Linux now fakes to Markinen, which in theory means they should probably switch it again, but they're not quite, like, that's hard to do. Almost impossible. And now a Linux has CJ McCollum on him at six foot one and makes the right read and goes to work. Kelly Linux is super good. He's played on a lot of winning teams. He makes a lot of plays. He does a lot of different things. He's basically our primary ball handler. If Mike Conley doesn't go tonight, he's basically our ball handler. He's really good. Um, and he ha- he does a, a, a litany of things offensively. And that's what makes him good. He's not dramatic, but he rebounds and he can shoot and he can pass and he can dribble and he can play make. And so you give him the ball right there, and he makes the perfect read, and now has six-foot-tall C.J. McCollum on him, and he rolls into the basket, and he makes the least elegant game winner um, in the history of mankind. But who cares? It's a pretty beautiful play design once that ball gets into a Linux. 
Now, what's really happening out of that is, again, the versatility this team has. You can go take your 7-foot center or 7-foot power forward or whatever it is and have them catch the inbound pass with your other 7-foot center, small forward or power forward coming at you. Which leads us to Lowry Markkinen. Okay, he's really good. Like, I've got to be a little careful right now because I am all in on Lowry Markkinen in a way I could say stupid stuff right now. But I want to walk through a three-play sequence in Minnesota, and I want to walk through one play he made last night. So the three-play sequence in Minnesota is he gets the ball isolated on the left wing. He drives hard with a left hand. Remember that. It's important. Curls back to the right hand into the middle of the lane and flips up a little runner in the paint and scores it. Seven feet tall. You can't guard that. Like, if he gets to his left hand hard enough to drive, that you've got to get out there so he can come back to his right hand in the middle, and there's no help. He's seven feet tall. He might not make that shot every time. He's getting it off every time. Okay? The next play was he caught the ball at 15 feet, rolled down the lane, and put it on top of Rudy Gobert. Like, put it on top of Rudy Gobert. Let me say it again. Put it on top of Rudy Gobert. Like, Rudy was on the wrong side of a jazz poster for the first time in his life. And the next play is he hit a corner three. So, we have those three plays right there, just like to grab those three. He's seven feet tall. He's two listed 240. I think he's 235, he said. He's seven feet 235. He's basically going one-on-one ISO on the wing. He's rolling down the middle lane with agility and packing, and he's hitting a three. But he really blew my mind last night. He got the ball at the top. He went hard right-hand drive into the lane, stopped at about six feet on a dime, rose up, squared his shoulders, got balanced, and faded back a tad, didn't need too much, because he's seven feet, and hit the shot. I don't want to get in stupid here for a second, but I just want to point out that Kevin Durant's the only other player in the league that I think can do that right now. That's that size. Now, I haven't watched enough Paulo Boncaro, and if I keep hearing everything I'm hearing about Paulo Boncaro as their primary ball handler and how he's playing and uh, listening to various shows and they're talking about it, I, need, I actually just downloaded late last, about 2 o'clock last night, I downloaded Orlando to watch them at some point on the plane back tonight because I'm so intrigued, so maybe there's a few, maybe there's more, and maybe I'm forgetting someone. But seven feet can put it on the deck as the body and balance control to stop on a dime and deftly score it. We're in rarefied air here. And as I think you've heard us talk about on the program, hopefully if you've been with us each and every day, but maybe not because the Jazz are hot, and so maybe you missed out on some of the preseason stuff. Here's what's so interesting about Lowry Markin's career arc, and I cannot wait to get a chance to talk to him about this. On Markin's career arc, his second year in Chicago, they unleash him, right? So he plays. He goes to he goes from Finland, he goes to Arizona for a year, and then he comes to the NBA, and they unleash him in his second year. He's 20 years old, and they decide, here you go. 
and they put the ball in his hands. And he flounders. I think that's fair. Like, I I don't know what he would say. Like, I don't want to, you know, not in a negative way, in a way that, frankly, is totally expected for a 20-year-old kid in his second year in the NBA. In fact, the way this is supposed to work is that you, if you're taking young players and you're developing them, you're taking a kid like Markkinen, and in their first year, you're you're putting him out there, and then they, they flounder, and then you let them develop. And what ended up happening with Markkinen is they, like, did the opposite for some reason. For whatever reason, they did the opposite. They let him flounder for a year, let him lose his confidence, let him really, really struggle, and then they didn't give him the ball again. So if you look at some of his numbers, in his drive numbers in 2018-19, his second year, he has 319 drives. He's not good at him. He's .89 points per chance. It's not great. And then in 1920, instead of 319, they decrease his drive level by nearly 50%. He goes from 319 to 212. And then the next year he goes to 150, and then he gets traded. So in two years, he drove the ball 319 times one year, and he drove the ball 150 times two years later. That is not developing your talent. That is not allowing your talent to get better at what he's doing. We do the same thing with his pick and rolls. And you see the exact same thing. He got the ball a ton at seven feet running a pick and roll. Again, there's like five guys in the league that can do that. I'm not sure who they are. In, in, he ends up taking 119 in 17-18. He takes 92 in 18-19. He actually gets really good at it in the 18-19 season. And so the Bulls' reaction is to take him from like two pick and rolls per 100 possessions to one. Like just cut it in half. He goes from 92 to 44. When you're running 44 pick and rolls a game, you're only running them by accident. And then all of a sudden, his last year in Chicago, he runs 39, and then he goes to Cleveland where he doesn't run any. And by the way, in the year in which he had 92, he was pretty good. In the year in which he had 44, he was really good. Like there were signs that he was getting better. And Chicago didn't do anything about it. In fact, they did the opposite. They just kind of reduced him to an outside shooting three-pointer. If you, When we talked to Lowry earlier this year, he said, like, you think of me as this, but I'm more. Oh, boy, are you ever. Just take just pure isolations. Just give him the ball and go to work. Toughest play in the NBA. He had 100 of them his rookie year. He averaged .7 points. He was not good at it. So next year, he had 142. He went to .85 points. That's a pretty good improvement. I'd be really curious to know what's going to happen next, but I don't get to find out because he goes from 142 to 39. There was no natural progression in Lowry Markkinen's career until now. And now, all of a sudden, he's great. I mean, he's... And now, some of this is development, some of this playing in Finland, some of this he said he's in the best shape of his life. And frankly, one of the major problems with Lowry Markin in his career has been a complete inability to stay healthy. So, three games into a season, we're overwhelmed, we're ecstatic. 
I'm saying stupid stuff about him, comparing him to Kevin Durant. And then I have to remind us that in his five years in the NBA, he's played 68, 52, 50, 51, and 61 games. So until he actually can solve that, which we'll t- tell over time, it's really hard to tell whether or not he can be the player that, that I'm talking about. But let me tell you what. When you start to put that skill set together, there aren't many. I mean, now health, body, length of season, all of those things um, are super important to see whether or not he can hold all of those things together. But he's really, really good. Um, Will Hardy's done some interesting things. I have a ton of other notes over here that I just want to get into and share with you about Team 49 and the way they're playing um, and, and do all of those things uh, as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Uh, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. For all the latest odds, news, scores, and more, go to BetOnline.net. The uh, eight-and-a-half-point dog last night, by the way, at BetOnline. Uh, Number one source for all betting for football, new basketball season. Always uh, continued source for all sports wagering, information, live betting, up-to-the-minute scores, and everything else. It's bet online where the game starts. I wonder, the only thing that might have seriously changed on bet online's odds at this point would be Laker odds. Ooh, Nelly. Uh, Bears and New England Monday night football. The Bears are a nine-point dog to the Pats uh, tonight if you're going to watch Monday night football. In the NBA tonight, Jazz and the Rockets. Are we favored for the first time all year? We are not. Yes, we are. One and a half point favorite against the Houston Rockets tonight until we announce, until we find out whether or not Mike Conley's playing back-to-backs this year and then that could swing. Um, Denver is a five-point underdog at um, against Portland. Uh, Boston is a – no, Denver's a five-point favorite. Boston's a six-point favorite against Chicago tonight. Memphis and Brooklyn are a pick Minnesota, who has the easiest schedule of any team alive, plays San Antonio next. Um, and they are a nine-point favorite. Philadelphia is a big-time favorite as well. NBA Futures, let's see what the championship odds now. Boston is now the favorite to win the title over the Warriors, plus 575. Then the Warriors at 600. Clippers at plus 700. Bucks at 750. Nets at 850. Suns at 1,200. Nuggets at 1,400. <coughs> uh, we only have 20 wins to go. To get her over under, right? That's all at betonline.net, where the game starts. I want you to make your second listen. Well, I've told you a lot of things, but I do really want you to make your second listen Locked On Sports today. Um, it is a great 22-minute program that runs through all the biggest sports news on like a weekend like this where you didn't catch all the baseball playoffs or all the action of the NFL. This will recap you, get you up to date with all of our local experts on everything that's going on. It'll be pretty great. All right, let me run through a bunch of things. Um, we're really, really sharing the ball. Like, that's really obvious um, and really, really impressive. There was a play. <coughs> I think Mo, uh, I don't know what Mo's last night, put it up on Twitter and I retweeted it, so it's in my thread. It was a play where, like, things, they're just playing smart. Walker Kessler caught the ball on the left baseline. And they were leaving Walker Kessler because he can't shoot the three. And often that leads to players holding on to the ball and hanging on to it in the offense stagnant. He immediately reacts, dribbles uphill, flips it to a handoff to Clarkson or Conley, and the play continues and ends up leading. Actually, I think it came back the other way then. 
um, and led to a Clark, and then Kessler rolling, and Kessler got a dunk out of it. It's just constant movement. We're moving the whole time, ball movement, player movement. Nobody's sitting still. Um, it's it's really interesting. Will Hardy obviously has done a heck of a job with that. Um, we're using space in an interesting way. Mar- when our starting lineup of Clarkson, Conley, Markin, and Olenek are all spacers, and then Vanderbilt's not. That lack of space is allowing Jared Vanderbilt to run rough shot over everybody with his incredible Rodman-esque rebounding skills because of the fact that he's able, got space to maneuver and play in there. We always think about space as driving, and we always think about space as to create shooting, which is what we're doing also. But in this case, we've got space to create rebounding or havoc. And it's a pretty interesting way to use space. We're really offensive rebounding at an elite level right now. And and he's certainly a large part of it. Um, I think I shared the comment Hardy made about training camp and how he was worried about that. I thought that was a really, really interesting comment. Um, and then the other one he made yesterday was when I asked him about the late game success, he's like, hey, I got guys on the floor who, who've really played the game a lot. Right? Like, Conley's a 15-year veteran. Clarkson's like a, probably about a close to a 10-year veteran. Markkinen has played an awful lot. He's young, but he's played an awful lot. Olenek has played four years in Minnesota, Miami and four years in Boston, winning environments. Like, these guys know how to play. Um, and, and they play the right way. Like, we're, we're definitely, you know, we're seemingly a starless team unless Lowry Markkinen is a star. And then we're not. And then everything changes. Um... But I would also say, like, we're not a young team in the sense of just this, like, honestly, like, we're playing tonight. I mean, Houston's just so young, and they're just so bad defensively for their 30th in the league for the second straight year, and just horrendous. And, you know, there's just some level where you, I, I don't, I don't know, I mean, we may get there, um, but Mike Conley's settling force both on offense and then just, you know, how he knows how to play, and Clarkson, the way he's adapted to learn how to play, like, this team is not. Um. Uh, you know, this team is not a a loaded, like, juggernaut of marquee names that the NBA is going to put on, you know, Times Square billboards, but they're, they're not also no names who don't know how to play. And, and so we're seeing an incredible veteran presence in that. Um... What else did I have? Lowry's really good. 13 deflections the other game. And nobody had more than two. It's a pretty interesting little number right there. 13 deflections and nobody had more than two. Um, I think I've hit everything I was going to hit. Um, oh, Colin Sexton. Unbelievable rebounding. Colin Sexton uses that space. He is a remarkable rebounder for a guard. He's playing really, really hard. He is not a point guard. He does not see the floor at all. Um, Or he has not developed in that, or he does not see our floor yet. So any of those variations, you can take the talk show host demonstrative comment that he's not a point guard and he doesn't see the floor. Or you can say that he hasn't seen the floor yet or he doesn't read our offense yet. Any of those three things are true. Um, And we'll see over time which of the three, I guess, is accurate. Um... And then I think the last one is that the guys are, you know, the guys have bonded and they're getting through difficult times, which is kind of the opposite of what um, we've saw uh, so often. 
And I have one other note right down here. Oh, this was a nice one. All right, I've got all my notes. This is super interesting. Off of misses, we're playing the fifth fastest pace of any team in the league. Our pace is actually really just getting into stuff quickly. It's not necessarily ending possessions quickly. But off defensive rebounds right now, so far this season, we are the fifth fastest team in the league. We're, we're, we're getting a shot up within 10 seconds of a defensive rebound. Now, on a made shot, we're 22nd. We'll come down and really set it up. We're playing in 18 seconds. Um, it's pretty dramatically different. So that's our piece is really showing off of a defensive rebound in which anyone can grab the rebound and go. And after a made shot where we're inbounding, we're getting to our stuff, we're there. We're actually not dramatically better in either of those two. We're really slow after a turnover, actually. We're, after a turnover, we're, tenth in, we're 27th in the league. We're right at the 10-second mark. We're actually better off a turnover. We're the 7th best team in the league. Off a turnover right now, we're the 11th best team after a defensive rebound scoring, and we're 15th in the league after a made shot. So there's actually not a dramatic change. We're just It's how we're playing this thing. Um, but overall... We aren't playing particularly quickly or getting rid of the. We're just getting into stuff quickly. But after a defensive rebound, we really are doing a good job of getting out into things very, very quickly. Um, our defense after a made shot has been very, very good. A little alarming that our defense is really bad after a defensive rebound. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, those were my notes. Those were my first two days of fun. I hope you are loving this because it is unique. And Team 49 has grabbed our attention and made it fun. That is Locked On Jazz today. Go make Locked On Sports today your second listen. It's so fun. Let me know what you think of it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I think we might have had, I don't want to speak too soon. We'll see if we have any technical problems today. Been working really hard at it. Found out that my computer, like, kicked out all my sound card drivers for some weird reason. And kind of working through that, and hopefully we have it fixed. See you.